0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in eighteen forty-two, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the let's see, November eleventh, twenty twenty two episode of the faith comes from hearing podcast. This is the morning section. Uh, first of all, I want to start out and, uh, send out to all my brothers and sisters, uh, my brother and sister veterans. Um, thank you for your service. Happy veterans day for you. Um, I hope you enjoy your day. I hope, uh, somebody's doing something nice for you. Um, it would be nice. I'm actually going to take the day off. I'm actually taking the day off. My company doesn't by default do that. They do, uh, we get eight days a, a year explicitly, maybe a few more. Um, but then what we get is we get like four work weeks, um, worth of paid leave we build up. So, um, decided to go ahead and take the day off. I hadn't done that in a couple of years. I'm not sure what I'm going to end up doing. Um, probably a little veteran focused. Um, I may end up sitting down and streaming some of the old war movies I like to watch. Um, who knows? But anyways, I, I want to say, Thanks to all of you for your time and your service. Um, I definitely appreciate it. Um, I know my family appreciated mine, um, and the sacrifices we made. Um, you know, some of us up to and include our lives, but fortunately I did not. Um, while I missed my son's first steps and my oldest son's first steps and first words, um, cause I was deployed into the med. Um, you know, it, it, it was worth it. I knew they were safe and they were safe cause we were out there. Um, and I would definitely spend, and I'm definitely sending a special shout out to my brothers, um, on the USS Groton, um, SSN 694. She was a Los Angeles class at fast attack submarine. Uh, we deployed out of Groton, Connecticut and, uh, love the boys. They were wonderful. Um, still keep in touch with a number of them. Um, and Inge, if you listen to this and the Inge was our engineer, if you're listening to this, love ya. Hope your Bible study still going well and uh, take care. Um, I'm hoping to get to see y'all at a reunion within the next couple of years, but we'll see. We'll see how that comes out. But with all that said, let's go ahead and get going with our reading for this morning. We'll go ahead and get started. Of course, it's our reading for uh, September 11th, or sorry, November 11th, um, so Memorial Day. We're going to go ahead and start because this is Friday. It's the sixth day of the week. So we are going to do the sixth day morning prayer. To open up, it's called the Gospel. O Thou Most High, Creator of the ends of the earth, Governor of the universe, Judge of all men, Head of the church, Savior of sinners, Thy greatness is unsearchable, Thy goodness infinite, Thy compassions unfailing, Thy providence boundless, Thy mercies ever new. We bless Thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, Promises and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost. In it, Thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in Him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find He has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank Thee for Thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon His death, rest in His righteousness, desire to bear His image. May His glory fill our minds, His love reign in our affections, His cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right. And morning devotion from Spurgeon's morning and evening, the November 11th one. Uh, let's see. The text for it is Deuteronomy 33:27. 27. Underneath are the everlasting arms. God, the eternal God, is himself our support at all times, and especially when we are sinking in deep trouble. There are seasons when the Christian sinks very low in humiliation. Under a deep sense of his great sinfulness he is humbled before God, till he scarcely knows how to pray, because he appears in his own sight so worthless. Well, child of God, remember that when thou art at thy worst and lowest, yet underneath thee are everlasting arms. Sin may drag thee ever so low, but Christ's great atonement is still under all. You may have descended into the deeps, but you cannot have fallen so low as the uttermost and to the uttermost he saves. Again, the Christian sometimes sinks very deeply in sore trial from without. Every earthly prop is cut away. What then? Still underneath him are the everlasting arms. He cannot fall so deep in distress and affliction, but what the covenant grace of an ever-faithful God will still encircle him. The Christian may be sinking under trouble from within through fierce conflict, but even then he cannot be brought so low as to be beyond the reach of the everlasting arms. They are underneath him, and while thus sustained, all Satan's efforts to harm him avail nothing. This assurance of support is a comfort to any weary but earnest worker in the service of God. It implies a promise of strength for each day, grace for each need, and power for each duty. And further, when the death comes, The promise shall still hold good. When death comes, the promise shall still hold good. When we stand in the midst of Jordan, we shall be able to say with David, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We shall descend into the grave, but we shall go no lower, for the eternal arms prevent our further fall. All through life and at its close, we shall be upheld upheld by the everlasting arms, arms that neither flag nor lose their strength, For the everlasting God fainteth not, neither is weary. Amen. We should definitely take confidence in that. As crazy as this world is right now with everything going on, and especially with this follow-up to the election where we got states, that, and that includes my own, that cannot figure out what the heck they're doing about counting ballots and getting things done. Um, The confidence in Christ that no matter what else is going on, that the everlasting arms will always bear us up and provide us strength, uh, it, it, it should bring comfort to us. All right, so our reading for today, uh, let's see, what do we got? We've got 2 Kings 24, shoot, hang on a second. I'm gonna take a quick look and bring it back up so I can see it better. Okay, Second Kings 24, Hebrews 6, Joel 3, and Psalm 143. So, Second Kings 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And Yahweh sent against him marauding bands of Chaldeans, marauding bands of Arameans, marauding bands of Moabites, and marauding bands of Ammonites. So he sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of Yahweh, which he had spoken by the hand of his slaves, the prophets. Surely at the command of Yahweh, it came upon Judah to remove them from his presence because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done. And also for the innocent blood, which he shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and Yahweh was not willing to pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers and Jehoiachin his son, became king in his place. And the king of Egypt did not go out of his land again, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Jehoiachin was eighteen years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his father had done. At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, went up to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to the city while his servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother, and his servants, and his commanders, and his officials. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign, and he brought out from there all the treasures of the house of Yahweh, and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon king of Israel had made in the temple of Yahweh, just as Yahweh had spoken. Then he took away into exile all Jerusalem, and all the commanders, and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen, and the smiths. None was left except the poorest people of the land. So he took Jehoiachin away into exile to Babylon, also the king's mother, and the king's wives, and his officials, and the leading men of the land, he led away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now all the valiant men, 7,000, and the craftsmen and the smiths, 1,000, almighty men who could wage war, and these the king of Babylon brought into exile to Babylon. Then the king of Babylon made his uncle, Mataniah, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of Yahweh, this came about in Jerusalem and Judah until he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Okay. And I forgot to say it. The links to everything I'm going to read is is in the show notes, as well as links to uh, the hard copies of what I'm reading to to get hold of the books um, that that I'm reading from. Uh, Again, I would definitely recommend that you get hold of the hard copies and print out the PDF from McShane. Definitely worth your while. Okay, Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of teaching about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and this we will do, if God permits. For in the case of those once having been enlightened and having tasted of the heavenly gift and having become partakers of the Holy Spirit and having tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and having fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For, for grounds that drink the rain, which often fall on it, and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is unfit and close to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. But we are convinced about you, beloved, of things that are better and that belong to salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unrighteous so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and continuing to minister to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not become dull, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises." For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise, for men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation in an end of every dispute, is an end of every dispute. In the same way God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and confirmed, and one which enters within the veil, where a forerunner has entered for us, Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. All right. And Joel three, for behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Moreover, what are you to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you rendering me a recompense? But if you do recompense me, swiftly and speedily I will return your recompense on your head, since you have taken my silver and my gold, brought my desirable treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and the sons of Jerusalem to the sons of the Greeks, in order to remove them far from their borders. Behold, I am going to rouse them from the place where you have sold them, and return your recompense on your head. Also I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the sons of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a distant nation, for Yahweh has spoken. Call out this message among the nations. Set yourselves apart for a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the men of war approach. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords, and and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, "I am a mighty man." Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves. There bring down, O Yahweh, your mighty ones. Let the nations be roused up, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding to judge all the surrounding nations. Send in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Decision. For the day of Yahweh is near in the Valley of Decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. And Yahweh roars from Zion, and gives forth his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake. But Yahweh is a refuge for his people, and a strong defense to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am Yahweh your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. And it will be in that day that the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water and a spring will go out from the house of Yahweh to water the valley of Shittim. Egypt will become a desolation and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation. And I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged. Indeed, Yahweh dwells in Zion. All right, in Psalm 143. O Yahweh, hear my prayer. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness, and do not enter into judgment with your slave. For no one living is righteous in your sight. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me inhabit dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit was faint within me. My heart was appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul reaches for you like a weary land. Answer me quickly, O Yahweh. My spirit wastes away. Do not hide your face from me or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Yahweh. I have concealed myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For the sake of your name, O Yahweh, revive me. In your righteousness bring my soul out of distress and in your loving kindness cut off my enemies and cause all those who assail my soul to perish for i am your slave. All right, and that is our reading for this morning. Um i again i would i pray that this time together will have lifted you up, will have edified you and equipped you. Um edifying meaning equip meaning instruct and equip you um that again it would hedge up your ways. Um being exposed to the scripture would help shape your walk that, and, and keep you from straying off the course as I, as I spoke of in last night's sermon, speaking of Bypath Meadow, that it would truly, this, this time in the morning in the word would help keep you on that narrow path, no matter how hard it is. So that when you walk in this world, you truly walk as an imitator of Christ, as an imitator of God, excuse me so that you would truly be the true witness that we're called to be, that we Christians are called to be. And that if you're not a Christian, that you're not, if you're not saved, I I would hope it would bring conviction to your heart, that it would bring you to a point where you truly hit your knees and turn to God and ask him, beg him to put a new heart in you, to bring you, to a place to regenerate you, to bring you to a place where you can repent and believe. Because believe me, 10 out of 10 people die, and 10 out of 10 people will face judgment. And the one thing that will stand between those who spend eternity with Christ and those who spend eternity in hell will be that saving, ga- saving faith, that gift of saving faith, that grace provided by God. We've got to repent and turn. And it's the odds against any kind of deathbed conversion are incredibly high. So we need to be about it now because believe me, we are in the last times. I mean, I'm not saying we're, we're looking for apocalypse tomorrow, but since Christ's death and resurrection, we've been in the last times. So you need to be about it and take care of it now. All right. I hope you have a wonderful day. And as I always close out with, and I always tell you, make sure you do all that you do for the glory of God, every little thing. Let's go ahead and read our last prayer. Uh, This is called God Honored. O God, praise waiteth for thee, and to render it is my noblest exercise. This is thy due from all thy creatures. For all thy works display thy attributes and fulfill thy designs. The sea, dry land, winter cold, summer heat. Morning light, evening shade are full of thee, and thou givest me them richly to enjoy. Thou art King of kings and Lord of lords. At thy pleasure empires rise and fall. All thy works praise thee, and thy saints bless thee. Let me be numbered with thy holy ones. Resemble them in character and condition. Sit with them at Jesus' feet. May my religion be always firmly rooted in thy word, my understanding divinely informed, my affections holy and heavenly, my motives simple and pure, and my heart never wrong with Thee. Deliver me from the natural darkness of my own mind, from the corruption of my heart, from the temptations to which I am exposed, from the daily snares that attend me. I am in constant danger while, while I am in this life. Let Thy watchful eye ever be upon me for my defense." Save me from the power of my worldly and spiritual enemies, and from all painful evils to which I have exposed myself, until the day of life dawns above. Let there be unrestrained fellowship with Jesus. Until fruition comes, may I enjoy the earnest of my inheritance and the first fruits of the Spirit. Until I finish my course with joy, may I pursue it with diligence, and every part display the resources of the Christian, and adorn the doctrine of thee, my God, in all things. Amen. All right. You have yourself a wonderful day, and God willing, we'll see you this evening. God bless. Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Hatton Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we will be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good evening and welcome to the evening portion of the November eleventh, twenty 2022 episode of The Faith Comes From Hearing. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host, and we're going to go ahead and jump straight into our reading so we can get to our message. So our opening prayer, uh, of course, is from Valley of Vision. Its title is Desires. O thou that hearest prayer, teach me to pray, I confess that in religious exercises the language of my lips and the feelings of my heart have not always agreed, that I have frequently taken carelessly upon my tongue a name never pronounced above without reverence and humility, that I have often desired things which would have injured me, that I have depreciated some of my chief mercies, that I have erred both on the side of my hopes and also of my fears, that I am unfit to choose for myself, for it is not in me to direct my steps. Let thy spirit help my infirmities, for I know not what to pray for as I ought. Let him produce in me wise desires by which I may ask right things. Then I shall know thou hearest me. May I never be importunate for temporal blessings, but always refer them to thy fatherly goodness. For thou knowest what I need before I ask. May I never think I prosper unless my soul prospers, or that I am rich unless rich toward thee or that I am wise, unless wise unto salvation. May I seek first thy kingdom and its righteousness. May I value things in relation to eternity. May my spiritual welfare be my chief solicitude. May I be poor, afflicted, despised, and have thy blessing, rather than be successful in enterprise, or have more than my heart can wish, or be admired by my fellow men if thereby thereby, these things make me forget thee. May I regard the world as dreams, lies, vanities, vexation of spirit, and desire to depart from it. And may I seek my happiness in thy favor, image, presence, service. Amen. All right. And now our evening devotion again from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's um, Morning and Evening. <coughs> As I indicated, this is the evening devotion for November 11th. And the text for it is Psalm 47, four. He shall choose our inheritance for us. Believer, if your inheritance be a lowly one, you should be satisfied with your earthly, earthly portion. For you may rest assured that it is the fittest for you. Unerring wisdom ordained your lot, and selected for you the safest and best condition. A ship of large tonnage is to be brought up the river now. In one part of the stream there is a sandbank. Should someone ask, Why does the captain steer through the deep part of the channel and deviate so much from a straight line? His answer would be, Because I should not get my vessel into harbor at all if I did not keep to the deep channel. So it may be, You would run aground and suffer shipwreck if your divine captain did not steer you into the depth of affliction where waves of trouble follow each other in quick succession some plants die if they have too much sunshine it may be that you are planted where you get but you are planted where you get but little you are put there by the loving husbandman because only in that situation will you bring forth fruit into perfection remember this had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are divine love would have put you there you are placed by god in the most suitable circumstances and if you had the choosing of your lot you would soon cried cry, Lord, choose my inheritance for me, for by my self-will I am pierced through with many sorrows. Be content with such things as you have, since the Lord has has ordered all things for your good. Take up your own daily cross. It is the burden best suited for your shoulder, and will prove most effective to make you perfect in every good word and work to the glory of God. Down busy self and proud impatience. It is not for you to choose, but for the Lord of love. Trials must and will befall, but with humble faith to see love inscribed upon them all. This is happiness to me. Amen. All right. And that is our devotion for the day or for the evening. Excuse me, having a little coffee. All right. So, um, we're continuing on in our lessons in Ephesians. We're continuing on in Ephesians 5. Um, as I said, we're, we've are we been working through the worthy walk, which starts in Ephesians 4 and goes through Ephesians 6, um, which is the practical application section. You know, I've, we've talked about it before. Um, Ephesians 1 through 3 shows us our position, the place we're positionally placed by, and wow, I was repetitive there, where we're positionally placed by our salvation that we're placed holy and blameless before God. And then, um, chapters four through six are the walk we must take to bring ourselves actually to that place. So our walk of sanctification mirrors that placing where Jesus has put us, of course, and that walk will end with glorification where we will be made with the new body to match that. So of course we won't reach that before glorification, before our death, but that is what our walk is supposed to look like. That's what that worthy walk is supposed to look like. And we've seen that there are different walks, um, interspersed in there that we've talked about. We've talked about the worthy walk. We've seen the walk of unification in the first three, four or five chapters of Ephesians four. And we go on from there as we see that, um, we see the walk in Ephesians four that is not like the Gentiles. It's the different walk. Um, we saw the walk of love that, that walking in love. At the beginning of Ephesians five, and we saw the the ways it should look and the ways it shouldn't look, and then we saw the walk of light that started and um, I'm scu- sorry, Ephesians uh, five eight through Ephesians five fourteen, and how it talked of, and then we've been talking. We, we started yesterday talking about the wise walk, the walk of wisdom, um, that is Ephesians five fifteen through seventeen. So I'm going to go ahead and read them and we, and. Um, Well, let me go ahead and read them and then we'll move on. So Ephesians 5.15, Therefore look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. On account of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So again, um, last evening, if if you were fortunate enough, if God, you know, ordained for you to be able to listen, um, we spoke of Ephesians 5.15 the careful walk, the circumspect walk, um, walk, you know, as part of that walk of wisdom, one of the characteristics is a circumspect walk, walk, a careful walk. So what we're going to talk of today is Ephesians five, verse 16, that next part of that walk of wisdom. And, and it is a walk of redeeming the time it's, it's redeeming the time, which is our title today. We're redeeming that time. Now, again, there's, um, I'm trying to remember buying back, the, um, what was the wording? Oh, making the most of. So in the NASB 95, the wording was making the most of, but in the, in the LSB, they go back to using the word redeeming the time, um, which is what I'm reading from. And, and I really, when I was re-preparing this, when I was going back over this, I really loved the fact that I see that because the the Greek underneath this indicates a, a buying back of a paying for to redeem. I mean, that, that was a thing. There was the, the characteristic back in that first century, Jerusalem and first century Israel, um, where you could redeem something there, there had even been before that, uh, we saw, we see in the story of, uh, Oh, and I can't think of a story of Ruth. Sorry. It took me a minute. My brain was not working. Um, where Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Basically he buys off and thus buys the responsibility of taking care of Ruth's property, or, or the property of Naomi, um, the property of Naomi's family, her husband and her sons, buys that property and redeems them, thus taking on the the need of, of the, the responsibility of caring for them and to take care of that land, so that that land does not leave the family, it stays within the family, within the family's inheritance, within the bloodline. Well, we also see Christ. We're told repeatedly that Christ is our Redeemer. He paid our debt. I mean, we, we, we know that. I mean, that's the crux of the gospel, that the debt we could not pay, we cannot pay except with our death, that debt for our sins. He took those sins upon himself and paid that debt. He redeemed us before a just God. That's what it's speaking, that's what it's speaking of. Buying back the time, redeeming the time, um, a way that it was put in one of the commentaries I saw, buying back the time from waste because these latter days are evil. And again, we're in the latter days. Every time, all the time since Christ was resurrected and ascended to heaven are the latter days. We are in the latter days between now and Christ's return. We are in the latter days. So we are in the process of moving towards Christ's return, there's nothing between us and that. Okay, no matter how many years it takes, there's nothing between us and that. We are in those latter days, and so that's what this is speaking of: is redeeming the time. We're redeeming it from waste because the latter days are evil. And again, we've we've become experts in our society, and and I spoke of it yesterday, and I spoke speak of it repeatedly repeatedly. We have become experts in our society and how to waste time and how to be so skilled at wasting time. Uh, it, and, and I, and I, 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 say that looking in the mirror, being disgusted at myself. I, I, I struggle with streaming stuff. I love to watch, watch movies. I love to watch TV. Um, I enjoy it very much. I enjoy watching a story move along. And that's fine in moderation, but we don't moderate with, with all the streaming services out there and where you can turn around. I mean, I just finished going back through a a series that had 12 seasons of 25 episodes a season kind of thing. Um, And I just finished going back through it. Now I've been going for, I've been watching it for months, but You know, when you get that many episodes, even if they're half hour episodes, when you have that many episodes of a show, how easy is it to sit there and then just watch hour upon hour upon hour of it. But when you hit the end of it, so you've hit the end of the 12th season, episode 25 of the 12th season, what have you redeemed? you've wasted every bit of that time. And and I'm not saying it's bad that you watched it as entertainment and as relaxation. Believe me, I need my, I mean, in this world, we all need to be able to relax and we all need to be able to put everything down and just clear our head and go, you know, shake the head and get, get all the junk out. But there's a difference between doing that and wasting the time. And so this is speaking of redeeming the time from waste. Our lives are so short. I mean, you've got to look at it. Um, Psalm 39 verses four and five. We see David sitting here talking about it. Yahweh cause me to know my end. And what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. Again, uses that word transient. If you don't know that, that word means here and gone. Basically, I mean, that's a simple thing, but here and gone. Very quickly, passing on, and it goes on in verse five. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths—that means very short—and my lifetime as nothing before you. Surely every man, even standing firm, is altogether vanity; is altogether useless; is altogether frivolous. Our lives are frivolous. Our time span is so frivolous, and and he's applying it to to man in general. That man spends his time frivolous, frivolously is what David's talking about. And we don't have the time to waste. We don't have the time to waste because it's very, very easy for us to do that. And, uh, and you know, we make sure that we go to church on Sunday, that we go to Bible study, whether it's Sunday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever. And maybe we go to Sunday school as well. And we make sure we fit those in that maybe half hour or an hour, or maybe even an hour and a half, you know, here or there, but, but, but let's knock it down. Let's knock it down. So let's sit there and put the put the put the math to it. Let's say you have you have a preacher who who really really digs into the word. So you basically got a worship service of an hour and a half. Let's say that that's so, and let's say you actually have an hour and a half Bible study during the week, whatever day it happens to be. So there's three hours, and let's say you have about an hour Sunday school. We'll say about an hour Sunday school. So you got four hours of a whole week, four hours of a whole week. That, that you're doing Christian stuff. I'm going to guarantee most of y'all, and that includes me, are going to easily, easily triple or quadruple that amount of time streaming something or spending it on a hobby. And I say that convicting myself, looking at myself in the mirror. We waste our time, and there is none. We owe our work to God, and we're we're made here for works, for good works. Ephesians 2:10. Um, you know, there's the, the key phrases Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that we should all know and tend to know by memory. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves; it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. That's basically the gospel. But verse 10, for we are his workmanship, the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, so that we would walk in those good works. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, works God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So who's got time to waste in streaming or in, and hanging out in bars, um, watching or watching the sports. I mean, I'm sorry. And I was, I was a big sports fan. Um, but when you turn around and tie into six to eight hours on a Saturday of watching sports, seriously, I mean, I know you enjoy it and you need some time. So catch up on it on a phone app and get about doing God's work. We are called to work and here's why. So here's the consequences. And this, what, this is what really convicts me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of symbol a story here for you. Um, I did it actually in our, on our adult Bible study here this past weekend. And it's one I've preached before, um, for, for preaching this over this same text. So when we come to salvation or when we come to glory, And when we come to judgment, we're going to be judged by the work and the quality of work, by the amount of work and the quality of work that we do. We don't get saved by our work, but our work is to be an outflowing of fruit of being saved and we get awarded appropriately for it. So first Corinthians three, starting in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation And another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident for the day will indicate it because it is, excuse me, it is revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So again, our work will be tested in fire and and you can evaluate it. Think about it. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. The wood, hay, and straw I think you and I, I mean, I'm, are smart enough to look at that and realize that work of wood, hay, and straw, while it still may be in do, doing the work of God, it is more the lazier work, the less, less quality work, the less amount of work, the less time put in working for the kingdom of God. That is the wood, hay, and straw, and that gets burned up in the fire. So we may still be sta- saved, but we'll suffer loss. We're not going to really be rewarded for that because our work was useless. Our work was such that it burned up in fire. So with that in mind, let's go to, um, second Timothy four and we get into the last part. Now, again, this is Paul's last letter that goes out before he is beheaded. He knows he is facing execution and he's sending this to Timothy, his spiritual son, his spiritual child, his, his replacement that he is preparing. And he goes in verse six. Now we, I've already spoken to you on verses one through five before about preach the word here we are in verse six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. He knows if that's his death, he knows it's coming. He he's able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith in the future. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So there's a crown laid up for him. There's a crown laid up for all the saints. We actually see in um, the book of Revelation where there's, I think it's the 24 elders and they all have their crowns and they turn and they throw their crowns at the foot of Christ. They throw those crowns at the foot of Christ because those really belong to Christ. Paul would throw his there too. Now think about it. So let's say, and the scripture doesn't say this, and I'm really not trying to twist out of scripture what's not there, but let's say those crowns, like it's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 3, were made of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw kind of thing. So they, let's say those crowns reflected the quality and the quantity of work you had done for the kingdom. So I don't know how many of you remember it. I remember it as a kid. Um, and I don't know how many of you, you were too young to remember it or not, but it used to be when you were a kid and you went and got a kid's meal at Burger King, you could get yourself a Burger King crown. Cause the whole thing about Burger King is it's a King. So you could get this little paper crown. Well, think about the quality of that little paper crown and think about that as being the crown of wood, hay, and straw. If we waste our time, if we waste our time on worldly pursuits, and in a lot of cases, the, the time we're wasting, it's not just that we're wasting it on streaming, but we're sitting there, we're streaming stuff, we're watching stuff, we're listening to stuff, we're exposing ourselves to stuff we have no business being exposed to instead of doing the work of, work in the kingdom. Paul didn't do that. You see that in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the court. Course, I have kept the faith. This is not him proposing that he thinks he's done it. He knows he's done it. God has made clear to him, Christ has made clear to him that he has fought the good fight. He has finished the course. He has kept the faith. His crown is going to be the most decorated, and he's going to put it right back at Christ's feet because he's that humble, but he's done the work. Do you and I want to be the ones? that throw down the Burger King crown, showing how pitiful we were, assuming it survived the fire, to show how little we cared for doing the kingdom work. That's what it's speaking of, redeeming the time from waste. Because the times are, the days are evil. Because the days are evil. They are evil. You can look around us. We're we're in a time of the murder of the unborn. Of the mu- genital mutilation of children that have absolutely no clue what they're thinking of or what they feel. And instead of dealing with them and helping them to grow and mature where they can truly make the decision, we're mutilating them as children in a world where we've, we're watching Canada who is euthanizing teenagers because they have no girlfriend and they're depressed. Guess what? That was high school for me for part, for a good part of it or for a, a part of it. Same with college. Same was true of many of my friends having no girlfriend at a time and being depressed. That's normal. And they're euthanizing them. And in some cases, they're, they're euthanizing the story I heard. They're going to euthanize them. And because they're going to euthanize them, they're not trying to treat him. They're actually re- um, intermittently starving the child, the, the teenager. That's the world we live in. The times are evil why are we not out there about the work of the kingdom? Why are we not redeeming our time? Why are we not redeeming the time in the valid, fruitful, necessary, commanded work of the kingdom? We have got to be about that. And the fact is we know that we can do it. Um, in in the, uh, and I'm going to go back, the, the, the morning devotion for this morning, um, Spurgeon's morning and evening, spoke repeatedly. Um, and The text was, underneath are the everlasting arms from Deuteronomy 33:27, 27. And Spurgeon went on to, t- to speak repeatedly that no matter what we're in, Christ's arms, God's arms, Because Christ is God incarnate, are underneath us, supporting us, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how rough it is. So don't sit there and tell me going out there and doing that work is too hard. You and I have absolutely no excuse. This is the God of the universe. He created every bit of it and every molecule of you and me. And you're going to tell me He's our Father. You're going to tell me that in our weakness, He's not going to be that strength to walk us through this and to help us through this, no matter how bad it gets. Because let me tell you what, every time I think of my dad, I tear up. And these verses that I brought up to you today, I think of, but I truly believe because even after my dad was crippled due to surgery that was done poorly, surgery that was done and something that was in, was contaminated placed into his body that paralyzed him and they said he'd never walk again he walked and the witness he shared through the next 10 years till I, we finally lost him he definitely ended his life being able to say i have fought the good fight i have finished the course i have kept the faith and that was my earthly father With everything he went through, with all the trials, God's arms, the everlasting arms, were underneath him. And he continued the work of the kingdom, even from a wheelchair at times. Even when I was having to help him out of the wheelchair and on and off the toilet, he continued to do the work of the kingdom. How do you and I have any excuse for that? We've been saved. You and I have been saved. We've been saved by a loving God who sent his son to redeem us, to pay the price for our sins and to be our strength and our weakness. The fact is, it's better that you and I are weak because then we depend on him, not on ourselves, because we're not to depend upon ourselves. We are so blessed by that love and by that strength. So we have got to get out there and be about the good works that Ephesians 10, 2 10 speaks of. You and I have got to redeem the time because the days are evil. So I would beg you, and I look in the mirror and I'm begging myself, we have got to be about redeeming the time. Because that's how we are weaknesses for Christ. That's how we continue. As I keep bringing up Westminster Confession of Faith, very first question: What is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? How do you? How do we glorify God and enjoy Him forever? We redeem the time because the days are evil. So please redeem the time. All right, we're going to go ahead and close. Excuse me with the six day evening prayer. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. Then they, they that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven! and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God, exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings, without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love, to, to live not to ourselves, but to Him, cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert, and impressed with the number and greatness of Thy benefits. May we bless and praise Thee at all times. Amen. All right. Well, that is our evening section. Um, again, I would hope this time would bless you. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your evening and a good night's sleep and God willing, we will see you in the morning. Have a have a nice evening. God bless.